Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Malani. In today's episode, we're pressing the power button pulling a piece of content directly from the Phenomenal Presenters Masterclasses and adding a few examples at the end, just to make the podcast a little juicier. Let's get into it. Power in speaking refers to the degree of sound, the loudness or softness of the voice, or how much force, pressure or volume is applied to a syllable, word or phrase. Also called tone quality. In English language teaching, it's often considered stress pushing on words and syllables. But it's not only stress. It's a lot more than that. A well-used punch of power, vibrated within the resonators, offers a delightful quality to a speaker's overall tone. That should have been very obvious in the sentence I just spoke. There are three general degrees of power, loud, medium and soft, but it can be varied, like all vocal facets. We tend to notice loud and soft power quite easily. If you're of my generation, hitting the fourth decade this year, and watched British sketch shows growing up, you might remember Dom Jolly. Ring, 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 ring. Hello? Yeah, I'm in the library. He was a character who'd go round in public places with this massive mobile phone, screaming out loud when it rang, upsetting the tranquility. You can YouTube him you want to have a look. I tend to find quite loud, overly powerful speakers quite challenging. Eventually my energy gets depleted and I leave the communication engagement, the room, switch off the video, whatever. I reckon this response is nurtured triggers from being told off in my youth and my dislike of bullies, coupled with my speech and drama training. This discontent though only applies to speakers. Interestingly enough, if it's a comedian, say like Tommy Tiernan, for instance, I quite enjoy the madness. What's your preference, listener? It will differ from country to country, brain to brain. If somebody speaks too softly, it can be difficult to follow. I just said, if someone speaks too softly, it can be difficult to follow. What happened to you when I started speaking really softly? If you think back for a moment, did you arch your ear towards me, squint your eyes a little bit, feel a little bit, ah, I can't hear it. When we speak too softly, listeners may also lose confidence in the speaker. If a speaker doesn't sound like they believe in what they have to say, the listener's brain may start to question their expertise. You might remember me discussing how we connect what a person says with our existing knowledge if you've listened to the pause episode. On top of connecting our knowledge circuits, we subconsciously connect our trust and confidence. It's a form of unconscious bias, nurtured over time. Power, in combination with other vocal facets like tone, pace, etc., activates these circuits of response. Variability is key. Too soft, an audience may lose trust. Too loud and a speaker can appear overly dominant or emotional and push people away. 
I'm sorry, listener. I hope I didn't push you away. In addition to loudness, power can be used to accentuate or emphasize syllables and words. Used together, pitch, pace, power and pause can be manipulated in an infinite number of ways to create an equally infinite abundance of speech patterns. They contribute to the overall sense and interpretation of the words being spoken. Let's do an example using a sentence similar to an exercise in the membership platform. Here's the sentence with no magic applied. Meryl Streep, the leading actress who is currently in Ireland, collapsed. Hmm. If you were a newsreader reading a sentence like that, I'm not sure how long the audience would stay tuned. The parts of the sentence, the leading actress and who is currently in Ireland, are both what we call changes in thought or additional information. My pitch will change to indicate that going down when I say the leading actress, rising a little bit for who is currently in Ireland, to finally rising again to the same level as Meryl Streep when I say the word collapsed. Now let's do it with too little power. As you're listening, be aware of the effect it has on your ability to follow what I'm saying and the emotions that arise, your attitude, how you feel. Meryl Streep, the leading actress who is currently in Ireland, collapsed. Well, what did you notice when I read it like that? Now, let's do it only using power. Meryl Streep, the leading actress who is currently in Ireland, collapsed. What did you notice that time? I pronounced every single syllable as best I possibly could. It sounded stilted and robotic, didn't it? It's not quite so easy for the ear to follow. Let me do it with effective prosody. Meryl Streep, the leading actress, who is currently in Ireland, collapsed. Noticing the impact of power on speech is important, especially if English isn't your first language. Languages use stress differently. Some apply the same degree of power to every syllable. Some apply the same degree of duration to every syllable, the same pace. Spanish and French are examples of that. Spanish also stresses the second last syllable, unless there's an accent. This is like Polish. It gives the general rhythm when the language is spoken. Stress, for the most part, is predictable. If you take those pronunciation techniques from the languages I just mentioned or from your own language, if it's not one of those, and transfer them directly into English, you may sound stilted, robotic, overly emphatic, and thus create difficulty for the listener in following you. But why is it difficult? English is a stress-timed language. Like many others, only certain syllables and words are stressed. Others are weakened, leaving them unstressed. And this is what aids the overall rhythm. It's said, for the most part, that content words like nouns, verbs and adjectives are stressed and non-content words like prepositions, articles are unstressed. It's not always the case. Sometimes I want to be emphatic when I'll say, go to the best shop in the world. But for the most part, that's, that's the general guideline, let's say, instead of a rule. Brains are primed or nurtured to follow a certain rhythmical pattern of speech. 
the patterns they're most used to hearing. Thus, if a brain or a listener hears an unfamiliar pattern, it can't sync with the speech rhythm without effort. Depending on how a person feels on the day, at that moment, how tired they are, how aware of their biases, they will or will not be willing to put in the effort to understand. I live in Spain at the moment. My Spanish isn't too bad, but my listening is definitely lower than my production, my speaking. I can sit in restaurants and not hear a word that is spoken, not even notice that people are speaking around me because I'm not picking up the rhythm coming through. If a table of English speakers comes in within three minutes, I'll know and I'll be able to hear them. Rhythm synchronizes brainwaves. A 2012 research study by Annette Schirmer showed facilitating interaction, boosting performance or perception of what a person is saying or doing. When people perceive the world in synchrony, she says, that can facilitate their ability to interact. Think about yourself there when I said the researcher's name, or her surname anyway. If you're German, and if I didn't pronounce it perfectly, you might have corrected me mentally. Or maybe I did say it well and you commended me automatically. And this is a nurtured bias in either direction. The way I see it, this is one of the reasons there's so much misunderstanding and discontent in our globalised world. We, as is the human tendency, acted before asking, blending cultures, nations and backgrounds without considering how to facilitate understanding or help diverse lives, experiences and beliefs synchronise to unite in celebration of their differences. Why is this difficult? English is syllable timed, so only certain syllables and words are stressed. Brains are primed or nurtured to follow a particular rhythmical pattern of speech, the patterns they're most used to hearing. Thus, if a brain or a listener Here's an unfamiliar pattern. It can't sync with the speech rhythm without effort. Depending on how a person feels on that day, in that moment, how tired they are, how aware of their biases, they will or will not be willing to put in the effort to understand. Think about the times when you've got on buses in countries where you don't speak the language. Some of the bus drivers will try to understand. Others will look at you like you're a monkey trying to speak to them. That's my experience anyway. Rhythm synchronizes brainwaves, a 2012 research study by Annette Shermer showed. Facilitating interaction, boosting performance or perception of what a person is saying and doing. When people perceive the world in synchrony, she says, that can facilitate their ability to interact. Now, the way I see it, this is one of the reasons there's so much misunderstanding and discontent in the globalized world. We, as is in the human tendency, acted before asking, blending cultures, nations and backgrounds without considering how to facilitate understanding or help diverse lives, experiences and beliefs synchronise to unite in celebration of their differences. When we think about power in speech, it can be used and manipulated where and how much we apply it to create a change in rhythm and control what a listener hears focuses on or remembers. Speakers use this technique to create excitement, just like movies and music. 
Within power, there is something called vocal climax. A speaker can use their voice to bring the listener on a journey, building to an overall climax. Of course, this is combined with other vocal facets. A gradual increase in power, at the same time stepping up on the pitch of successive phrases, builds a speech to a climax, allowing a pause at the end before dropping to a final result. I realise that example might sound a bit overly dramatised, but that's what you do when you're trying to give very emphatic examples. The intention is to let you hear the technique within the sentence while the definition is being provided. If you didn't quite catch it, go back for a moment, listen to it again and hear how I'm defining the law of climax or the law of suspense and conclusion in the sense at the same time as applying the technique. Let's do another example. If you're as young as I am, you'll remember the Superman movies. Superman is flying over the town in the sky. There's a crowd of people outside who suddenly spot something. Look, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. So the bird builds to the plane, up, up, to Superman in the sky, dropping on the man to show finality. What did you notice about the number of items listed in these examples? When applying the rule of climax, three items or more need to be used. If it's only two, it's just what we would call creating contrast. Using another example from a movie, Toy Story, we can spot this. To infinity and beyond. Here there's no build-up. It just goes up and then back down. In that case, a bit of anticlimax, which is another technique. One of the most memorable speeches ever given, and still one of the most famous speeches today, draws on both of these techniques, three or more, the powerful rule of three when speaking, and on the building to a climax. Which speech, you ask? Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream. He used the three or more a few times, actually, and more at the beginning before he went towards the I Have a Dream. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to move our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. So now, 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 building, building, wavering. He built using four items and repeats the technique before moving into I have a dream. Then, as he talks through his dream, he builds and builds, each time allowing his voice to tremble with power. Adjusting pace, adjusting volume on specific sounds and endings, manoeuvring moods, synchronising brains, taking his audience on a journey, before dropping into that final thought. So listeners, that has been an introduction to speaking power, both from the perspective of the orator, where we build and build and build to a climax before dropping, 
into the final point. But also from the perspective of the person whose first language isn't English. The degree of force or loudness that we place on syllables and sounds in words. It's particularly important to understand this aspect of English. That we weaken and strengthen sounds. That we link certain sounds together. When we learn how to do that, how we can engage with an audience completely changes. If you're someone who wants to excel, who wants to feel satisfied after you have spoken, who wants to see engagement from stakeholders, from executives, to better understand how to attract the ears of the listener, as opposed to attack if you are speaking like this but don't actually realise it. Go to phenomenalpresenters.com today and look at what you can get from my masterclasses. This power episode, the pause and the pace episodes in the podcast so far are minor examples of what's inside. They are designed for you if English is not your first language. Hours of content on pronunciation, shaping vowel sounds like the ah vowel sound, the cute baby, the monkey vowel sound, the confused vowel sound and the disgusting vowel sound. Consonants, how we place them, how they form in the mouth, the impact that they have when we speak emphatically and then all of the prosodic features of the English language done in a fun, engaging way. It's like the podcast on tap. You can download an app and listen on the go when you're driving around. One of my clients, and I don't think she'll mind me saying this, listens to them when she's driving her dogs to different competitions, which I find very cool. Go to phenomenalpresenters.com today. Check the link in the show notes if you can't fully follow the words that I'm saying and you need the spelling. Use the code WELCOME. 50 W E L C O M E 50 to get a 50% discount if you buy lifetime access, which is only available in 2023. On the inside, you'll find all the audio masterclasses, video masterclasses. You'll get to have calls with me, both private calls if you're one of the first 100 members, and you'll also get to uh, join live masterclasses, live calls with me and with other industry experts and leaders that I have in my network. I'm very lucky to have some strong and powerful women in my network and men who work in fields as diverse as tech, energy, oil and gas, change management, senior finance, a variety of different fields, some incredible culture experts as well. You get to access them with me through the Phenomenal Presenters Programme and masterclasses, depending on which you choose to join. So check it out today. And as I say on my website, when you're ready to unleash the phenomenal presenter inside, I'm ready to help you. I am waiting to hear you rise. Now, as always, please give a little star or a review, or subscribe to the podcast, turn on the bell so that you get an automatic download. It really helps me with the visibility on the apps. And find me on social media. Let me know what you thought. Give me your feedback. Send me a message through my website. I really appreciate your listening, sharing, and your presence. Until next time. Bonnet tea.
Aveți puiecăs!